Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Water, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend, as we are just chug-a-lugging along in this month of January 2023. Excited to continue the momentum and bring you some cool research and application to fasting and weight loss and health and just continue this fasting journey as we want to ramp up that momentum and that activation energy for the new year and that calendar ticking over, right? Gives us that, uh uh-oh, it's here, time to do something about it. So welcome in. To all of you listeners, if you are new, thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to be on this fasting journey with you. Mm-hmm. If you're an old school OG, you've been around the block with us, you've been listening in, much appreciated to your continued support as yeah. well. We love to hear from you. We love the five-star reviews. It tells the podcast gods that we're doing something right. So Tommy, today's conversation is low carb or low fat better for prediabetes? Okay, so mm. this is going to be a fun conversation. And it's one of those where it's like, oh, that's the takeaway. Cool. Okay, <laughs> not any big grandiose ta-da, right? But yeah. it is going to be easily applicable to your day-to-day life when it comes to a fasting, adopting, adapting, adopting a fasting lifestyle, mm. which is what we want. We want the results. We want you to get them. We want you to feel empowered. We want you to feel that fasting can simplify your day-to-day life. Mm. As you heard in our opening with that awesome music behind it, I still <laughs> listen to that pretty much every day at some point. Mm. It's, yeah. it's so catchy, just on loop. But this study is the effects of low carbohydrate versus low fat diets. So we're going to mm. put up two of the Titans of the weight loss dieting world, right? From the 70s yeah. until now, two of the titans right. that are out there, steel cage, heavyweight, <laughs> bout 15 rounds. Well, they don't do that anymore, 12 rounds, right? So effects of low carbohydrate versus low fat diets on weight loss and metabolic risk factors. So this is the key piece, right? So mm-hmm. lifestyle change, fasting, calories, hormones, metabolic risk factors, right? Important, health, mm-hmm. right? So the effect metabolic risk factors in obese and overweight individuals with impaired glucose regulation. And this is a randomized controlled trial that came out of China. And that impaired glucose regulation, Tommy, the IGR as they're calling it, mm-hmm. is a category of individuals that would fall into the pre-diabetes category, but there's three main yeah. groups, right? Yeah, absolutely. And defined by the American Diabetes Association or the ADA. So the the folks in that category can either be suffering from impaired fasting glucose, so elevated glucose numbers while you're fasting, impaired glucose tolerance, or an elevated HbA1c. So it doesn't have to be in a in a particularly defined diabetic or even certain pre-diabetic ranges, but right. if it's elevated, then you're falling into that category. So 
I mean, this is this is basically casting a net around, you know, most of us mere mortals as we're kind of going through, especially if we have some weight to lose. Yeah. And that's a big we shared stats on one of the previous episodes where the number of, you know, extrapolated out data on undiagnosed prediabetes or undiagnosed blood sugar issues, never mind the 37 yeah. or 38 million people that have the diagnosis already. That's why I really like this study because they were looking at the impaired glucose, right? So the IGR. Mm -hmm. And it's this trial is designed to look at similar decreases in body weight and improvements in cardiometabolic risk factors in people with prediabetes, right? Diagnosed yeah. or undiagnosed. So this or IGR. Right. Yeah. Right. And we're going to put up those two titans together, right? The low fat versus the low carb. And it was a 10-week study and 90 obese or overweight adults and 72% of them were, were women, okay? Mm. So one of the interesting takeaways from this is that a lot of what we hear from people and folks that come to fasting for weight loss is, mm -hmm. well... I'm super low carb, I'm keto, and I'm doing fasting, right? And one of the things that we know is that carbohydrates have the greatest effect on insulin and blood sugar. So it would mm. make sense that you would decrease the carbohydrates to increase your weight loss and blood sugar results. The interesting thing about this study is that it is not what it was all cracked up to be. Yeah, And the majority of the results were really similar. And we want to unpack that and then have some applicable takeaways on how you can apply this and some of the levers you can you know, focus on depending on where you fall on the spectrum between low fat and low carb. What about even just the fact that on the low fat side, if we go back a few decades for all of the recommendations that were put out there and the American Heart Association and all of those things, you know, kind of touting the low fat for such a long period of time that if you were trying to lose weight in the 70s, 80s, 90s, or earlier in the 2000s, you may be, you know, very strongly conditioned towards that low fat side. And then so when you start to try to adopt a low carb diet or a ketogenic diet, it can be very tough to, to feel like you're, you're doing something healthy or moving in the right direction because you always kind of have this push pull. Am I taking in too many fats? I shouldn't be taking in all this red meat or all these eggs, all this cholesterol and things like that, right? Like you have so many mixed messages going on. I know I, I had that and, and a lot of folks that we talk to talk about this, the same thing. So it can kind of almost feel like I got one foot in on one side and, and one foot on the other, and I don't really know which way to go. And I can, it's hard to like press the gas and feel motivated like I'm doing the right thing, right? Yeah. And so to unpack this and kind of give you the design of the study and then apply it to what you were just talking about, I was like, well, how do I do this in real life? Like, where should I yeah. be? What? Who's right? Who's wrong? Right. So yeah. you got some decisions to make and we hope to give you some nuance and, and, and action steps and some thought things that you can do today on how you're going to apply it. And then we'll give you the accelerant. I know we've been using that word a lot lately, right? <laughs> for the last few episodes too. Yeah. But the blueprint to fasting for fat loss and how using the fasting lever can really accentuate some of those results because yes. of the insulin component. So when we're looking at this, the low carb diet was 20 to 25% energy from carbohydrates. So not yet keto, but not the standard American diet, which is 50 to 55%, yeah. right? So 20 to 25% carb, 30 to 45% fat and 40 to 45% protein. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
the low fat diet was 40 to 55% energy from carbs, right? Closer to that, that standard American diet here in the States, 20 to 30% from fat and 20 to 30% from protein. Okay. Mm. And what they were looking at was the anthro, the anthropome. Why can I never say that word? The <laughs> anthropometrics. Yeah. Right. And body composition were collected at baseline, then week four, week eight, and week 10. And then they looked at glycemia and metabolic indicators were assessed at the beginning and the end. And the results were mm. pretty astounding. Remember, so 69 participants, 72% women completed the intervention and were included in the final analysis. So at week 10, all three groups presented similar reductions, which is crazy, right? Yeah. Similar reduction in, in weight there at 5.8 kilograms. I mean, I was expecting to see some differences here, you know, be, between the groups, but to, to see that, that they were actually the same is like, okay, so we can, we can get results. I don't have to eliminate all the carbohydrates to get results, which is, which is cool. And one thing that stands out to me as well for real life application is the fact that this was a 10 week intervention. This wasn't a, hey, I'm going to start off in January with a whole new diet and go for the next 12 months trying to sustain the same thing and trying to get that, that like one step after another continuous, you know, movement on the scale. This was like a compartmentalized thing, which I'm going to come back to that point later, but I think that's an important part of the perspective here. Right. So <clears throat> when we look at the, the study design too, so well, what, what were these groups eating? And the idea was to get them into, and one of the, the research article summaries on this one was like, which one's better for prediabetes? Well, whichever one decreases energy intake. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about insulin too. So mm -hmm. what they did is they, these two groups were initially, they did the body weight times 25 kilocals per kilogram times 0.7, but not less than a thousand for women and 1200 for men. Mm, and yep. this calorie restricted formula was on the consensus of experts of the medical nutrition therapy for overweight and obesity in China in 2016. So the low fat diet, we talked about the percentages, the low carb group, we talked about those percentages. And then they were also asked, encouraged to do at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity. So walking, you know, treadmill, bike, yeah. swimming, swimming, some type yep. swimming, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah low impact, some type of moderate intensive aerobic activity and two to three resistance exercises per week. So they definitely had some, some lifestyle adaptations here, right? So not just sedentary, the sedentary group. And this is, you know, where you and I fell, things that I was doing in that undiagnosed prediabetes, didn't know I had a blood sugar insulin yep. issue, had all of these metrics, the body fat mass, the body fat percentage, the visceral fat area, the BMR, looking at all of these different things going, all right, mm. well, something's not right here. What's what's going on? Following yeah. my macros, following my calories. And it's just my body's just not responding the way I was thinking. Never mind the the lab work stuff, right? Like the fasting blood glucose yeah. and the postprandial, meaning post-meal blood glucose, the insulin, the A1C, the total cholesterol, the HDLC, the ALT, the AST, the GGT, mm. all the stuff that we talked about. Yeah. Yeah, the liver, right? Yep. Yep, not just a filter, but pretty yeah. important in terms of <laughs> metabolization of energy and fat. Yeah. And then they also looked at HOMA IR, which is the gold standard test on whether or not you have insulin resistance. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's crazy because, you know, substantial improvements in all of these markers, I, I think is like 
it's what most people are, are you know need and what most people are are looking for and i i think that coming back to the the point about the the 10 weeks is the fact that if if i'm if i'm just getting started with with like a fasting lifestyle i may not i may not be confident with with what to eat whenever i do break my fast right you know? and so so just knowing that if if i'm compartmentalizing over the next maybe 8 10 12 weeks and saying you know what i'm going to i'm just going to start with with what I feel like has worked in the past or what I'm comfortable with. Let me let me not feel like, well, it's January, so I gotta, I gotta, you know, change everything all at once. Let me just keep keep doing what I'm I'm comfortable with as far as the like whatever it feels like to be healthy, nutritious food most of the time. Let me do that and then start to put in the the fasting pieces into the puzzle. And then whether I'm low carb, low fat, or anything in between. I can move the needle with that, with some deliberate intention there. And then maybe two and a half, three months from now, I can kind of switch gears. I can kind of reassess, reevaluate what those targets are and then, you know, make a shift if I need to, but I may not necessarily need to, right? Yeah. And that's one of the things we hear when people come to fasting too, is like, well, what do I eat? Well, fasting is important, but then what do you break your fast with? Yeah, of course. Exactly. And it's always like, well, do you have any recipes? Do you have any meal plans? Well, no, we don't subscribe to that school of thought. Right, yeah. your plate can be made up in a in, in a completely different set of, you know, a completely different parameters, right? Different, yeah, different macro contents, thirty percent yeah. here, forty percent here, fifty percent here. Just like the study, the low carb versus the low fat, and the reality is, what's gonna just like any dieting mindset, right? I'm just gonna I'm gonna go to the gym six days a week. I'm gonna work out every day. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut out all my favorite mm -hmm. foods. I'm gonna stop gonna drinking. Perfect. Goodbye the diet sodas and all that stuff yeah. goes. And then like two weeks in, your motivation wanes. Because yeah. your your result isn't what you expected. You have no miserable. support. You're miserable and you just give up, right? Like you're like, why isn't this working? Right. So it's that consistency with what you're so when people come to fasting, they're like, okay, what do I eat? Well, in the beginning, most people can get great results without really having to worry too much about what they're putting in their eating yeah. nutrition opportunity window, right? Yeah. Surprisingly. Unless of surprisingly, right. Unless, of course, you're really far down. The blood sugar imbalance, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, mm. rabbit hole, right? Yeah. Advanced in those disease processes. Yeah. Or the hormonal imbalances and the leptin signals and all that stuff are way out of whack, right? Or you've been in a plateau for a while. Or you've be been under severely under consuming. Exactly. And the opposite is over consuming the highly processed, refined foods, right? The higher palatability, mm -hmm. the higher bliss point, the higher caloric intake foods, fast foods, yeah. a lot of restaurant foods, those types of things, those can outdo a really good fast because of that high caloric concentration. So yep. this study says, yeah, yeah. And then the insulin, of course, the insulin effect that comes with it. So mm -hmm. this is not a fasting study, right? This is a lifestyle yeah. study to me. And it's right. like, well, whatever gets you in a, in a caloric deficit, right? Well, sure. the easiest way to do that is to fast, but why not take into the rate limiting step of that, right? Which is the insulin and hormonal component. So mm -hmm. if we look at the end of this intervention, the weight change, the change in body mass, the change in visceral fat area, which we always like to talk about because that's yeah. the stuff that drives metabolic disease, yeah. right? The, the bad fat, not the subcutaneous fat, the stuff that's like inside around your organs, the belly oh, fat, mm -hmm. right? And then the BMI change were all pretty much like equal, yeah. right? In the amount of change they've had from the control yeah. group, right? Or they call it the health education diet group, right? Right. So 
Interestingly enough, the low fat in all of these outperformed slightly in every one of those four main categories, but you still saw the significant changes in the GGT, the ALT, the AST. We talked about that last week in terms of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Yeah. And, you know, never mind the the cholesterol numbers, the A1C numbers, the postprandial, the fasting blood glucose, all of those improved in both groups. Incredibly empowering. I just right. I I love it. And, and you don't it, have like, to be perfect. Yeah. You don't have to fit into a box. You are yeah. special. Right. I deserve the gold star, right? I am a unicorn. Right. Yes. I'm a unique snowflake, yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code, uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times, rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing and the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors, and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money, and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. But, you know, if you if you look at the the baseline caloric intake, OK, bringing it back to to how they kind of put this together and where some of the cognitive dissonance can come in with, hey, I've tried diets in the past and I've had trouble, you know, getting the weight off and, and things like that. If you look at the caloric intake here, I'm going to use some round numbers and say that basically it, it's going to for for most of us, it's going to fall somewhere between about 
50 to 70% of what I'm going to need each day, like my total daily energy expenditure, you know, what was actually used in this study. So if this study went really long term, like months and months and even years, I would expect that those results would slow down. I would ex- expect to see some, right. some homeostatic, you know, adaptation, some, some metabolic adaptations, right? Hormonal downregulation and, some and things set like point, that. Some attack- yeah. 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 Your body, yeah. Smaller frame, you need less energy to burn. You still got the old habits of the old yeah. you that wears the double X and now you're in the single X shirt, right? So yeah, yeah right. of course. <laughs> But I, I think it, it's speaking it's from experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I got both hands up right here. Yeah. But but I, I think the the important part of that is is the fact that, hey, even if I have 40, 50 or 100 or 150 pounds that I need to lose, I can think about this. The fact that I can I can pivot around, let's say, 8, 10, 12 weeks. OK, I mean, like I really feel like 60 to 90 days is a great like mental time frame to start thinking about what is my goal over the next 60 to 90 days. Stop hyper-focusing on the end goal, especially the one that's far off, that ideal weight. Hey, yeah, like we can get there over time. But if I'm so hyper-focused on that, especially if I just want this one last method to be the holy grail, the perfect method to get me there, it's very highly unlikely that I'll just get there as a smooth ride without making any changes. So I need to understand that there's going to be some some evaluation and review of my my targets and my method, you know, in the near future here. And if I would have had that perspective, you know, years back before fasting, I would have had better results with what I was doing. But now understanding and combining it with the superpower, which is consistency in my fasting, now we can we can really accelerate the process like that. That's crazy. It's huge. Yeah. And if you're looking for inspiration here, right? Because you're like, I don't even know what group I fall in. Right. Am I one of the old baby boomers, the low fat recommendations that came out of the 70s that had no nutritionists or medical doctors yeah. on the panel? Or are you in the low carb, you know, I'm just going to cut out all carbohydrates, carbs of the devil, carbs are bad. Now we're not yeah. saying go ingest a bunch of fructose and, you know, high fructose corn syrup and drink a bunch of sodas and, yeah. you know, eat candy all day, right? We're, we're not, we're not saying that, right? But there are healthy hormone building, progesterone building, estrogen, testosterone balancing, mm-hmm. you know, dare I say carbohydrates, carbohydrates out there, right? So yeah, yeah don't burn Dr. Perlmutter's grain brain book, as I like mm-hmm. to say, don't. There yeah. is a lot of good, valid stuff in there as well. Definitely. But if we look at the low fat, we're talking 14 pound weight loss in 10 weeks without fasting, right? right? And we're looking at the yeah. low carb, right? And that's 12.7. Nice. If that was me, I didn't care about, label me whatever you want. Call me whatever you want doesn't matter. Put me in whatever group you want. If I can get those results, never mind the additional results of the HOMA IR gold standard, right? Mm-hmm. Improved similarly in both groups, fasting insulin, fasting blood glucose, cholesterol, total cholesterol, all of it, postprandial glucose, right? So the one thing that was slightly different between the two groups is the decrease in total cholesterol was only observed in the low-fat diet group. Mm. But what we see with fasting is that that absolutely happens within a 10-week time frame. Yeah. When you're looking at lab blood work, that your total cholesterol will also decrease. Once you get through that first Mm. wave of getting into ketosis more often and getting that swing of fat oxidation, getting that elevated right? Above fat storage Mm -hmm. and fat production, 
So that was the one big difference. And I'm like, okay, well, if I know it's going to happen anyway, then I can, it's fine. As long as I know that I'm on the right path. And that's the encouraging part is how do you apply this? Well, how do you get started? Well, you need to start with making some simple decisions about how you are going to, to eat during your nutrition window. But then why not accelerate that process? And that is why we created this year the blueprint to fasting for fat loss, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to yep. show you how to level up and accelerate your fasting while taking into account the second half of the equation, which is, well, what do I eat when I break my fast? Well, what is sustainable for you? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? And that just takes a little bit of thought. If you want to know some basic percentages of what we recommend on an OMAD versus an intermittent window, calorie intake, then you're going to want to grab that blueprint because yeah. it's going to take conversations and applications of things like this and actually make it real life. And within a few minutes, you know, a quick 10, 10 minute read with a few minutes of thought, you can have a plan that then you can go actually put into your day to day, like today now. And that's why that's we cool. did it. Yeah, that's cool. Because, no matter if you're uh, brand like, new or experienced, if you need a reset yeah. or you're just getting back on track in the new year's new year, new you. I know we joke a lot about this resolutions thing, right? right? We set goals. My wife and I set goals, personal goals, health goals, financial goals, mm -hmm. growth goals, family goals, relational goals. We do set goals, right? But mm -hmm. we set them with the right intention and we don't just do it around the beginning of the year. Okay. So yeah. I know we play around with that. We're not saying don't set any goals and just figure it out. No. no goals are important. Just very important. don't fall into the new year, new you trap is what we get at when we say that. Yeah, absolutely. Good point of clarification. I mean, wherever you are in your fasting journey, like it's it's always a good time to level up that skill set because even if you're on the fence about about this one, like, well, okay, should I go low carb or should I go low fat? There was no clear indication about which one's better during during this discussion, right? Like, but the the cool thing is is that they can they can both work, they can both help to move the needle. And if I was on the fence right now, looking back with perspective, I like lower carb because it means that more of my macros are going to be some of the healthier fats that can be that can make me do more in the kitchen rather than finding some of the more highly processed stuff so that for yep. me personally that helped me like tip the scale in in the right direction for me and focusing on protein too if you're having a lot of cravings cuz protein yeah. is so satiating right so in both of these groups the protein was lower yeah than than we'd like to see right mhm mm Prioritizing protein, especially for women, as you're going through peri into, into menopause, you know, 40 to 55 and then 55 plus, you're going mm -hmm. to want to absolutely prioritize that protein and that resistance training. So I love that they had activity in this study as well, right? Yeah. Because we can't just sit our ways, sit our way to health, right? That's, yeah. that's just like not doing much of anything, right? We have to get moving. And if you're like, well, I don't move at all. Well, heck, the trip to the mailbox, bring the trash cans in walk around the house, like get up and get moving. Yeah. I just love that when we're talking about big picture of health and lifestyle application, there's a couple of big levers that we can pull, right? And this, this study talks about one of them, finding, finding something that's going to work for you long-term that you can get behind, that you can commit to, and then using fasting, the tried and true art of fasting, which is leveling up that skill set. How do I fast cycle? How do I stack the fast? Mm. When do I break? How often should I fast, right? And that's why we created the blueprint for this year. If you're looking to really jump in, both feet in, if you're new and you're like, yeah, this sounds great. Let me go get it, go yeah. get it. And then we're gonna encourage y'all to sign up for the first challenge of the year, the seven day fasting yes. lifestyle challenge. You can head to the show notes, you can grab the blueprint to fasting for fat loss, 
It's yours. We'll zoom it over to you. You can have it. You can put fasting in your day-to-day life right now. And then yeah. also sign up for the challenge. This challenge is going to be incredible. We're doing things a little bit different this time. We're bringing the energy. We're bringing the fire. fire. Oh, yeah. But most importantly, we're going to allow you to figure out and like put together your blueprint quickly. Mm-hmm. Like We're going to yeah. be like walking you through the blueprint. And that's literally what the challenge does. It uses different varied fasting windows. We talk about food. We talk about breaking a fast, starting a fast, mm-hmm. the intention, the planning, what type of fasting type you are. Yeah. Do you like to freelance? Do you like to graze? <laughs> Do you like to Uh-oh. play too much on the weekends? Yep. We want to insulate with you and get you those results now. We don't want you to look back and say, man, I should have done it in January. Well, guess what? Mm. We start February 1st. Okay. So Tommy, yeah. as we wrap up today's episode, final thoughts going into the challenge coming up next week and kind of wrapping up today's conversation. Yeah. Final thoughts would be that your plan doesn't have to be perfect for it to be effective, yep. but you do have to apply it consistently. You have to make a decision and then you have to take motivated action consistently so that you can see those results. And then you have to evaluate and review it over time. Because remember, the best laid plan doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the perfect plan two months from now or three months from now. So getting the process started and accelerating that is is your your blueprint like to success. So absolutely do what you need to do to level it up today and so that you can continue moving the needle and continue to see the motivation grow over time. So there's, yep. oh, there's so I much love that word. stuff. Here. I love that word consistency, Tommy, right? The ability yeah. to replicate a process or activity with the same level or quality over and over and over again, the adherence Absolutely. to the same principles in a steadfast way, right? Yep. So it's the consistency day to day that we want you to get. And that's why we created the new resource. We're doing these challenges again this year. We're mm-hmm. leveling them up, the support, the encouragement, being in a like-minded community where you can ask all the questions you've ever imagined and have unlimited right. conversations about fasting and health. That's what <laughs> we want for you. We want you to have the best year yet, the best results yet, and figure out how to adapt this fasting lifestyle. So Tommy, yeah. as always, man, thank you for the conversation. Head to the thank show you. notes, grab the blueprint to fasting for fat loss, sign up for the challenge starting on February 1st. And Tommy, talk soon. Talk soon. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free fast start guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.